dismiss our children to their Sunday school and the Sunday school teachers too. Um, and then if you have a cell phone, please make sure they are turned off or on silent mode. Um, and if you have your Bibles with you, please turn them to the book of Matthew. We're going to be reading from chapter 3, verse 13 to 17, until chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. In reading, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do, to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus is tested in the wilderness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Please join me in a word of prayer. Our Father, holy be your name. We thank you once again for another opportunity that we get to gather in person and also online in your name for the main purpose and main reason of praising you for all the wonderful things that you have done for us and continue to do for us, to worship you as a result of us knowing and desiring you, to know, to continue to know you, and as you continue to reveal yourself to us, Father, it leads us to worship you and to learn more about you, your will, and your ways for us. For our desire is you and our delight is you, and to obey you as our love, and as our love for you grows, the more of us, Lord God, the more of us wants to continue to obey you and your will for us. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Let nothing, Lord God, hinder you from hearing our prayers and responding to our needs. Tonight, we again ask for your help to teach us. Teach us by your Holy Spirit with the use of your Holy Scriptures through me, Lord God, as your vessel. Please give me wisdom to deliver your message to your people. As you give them understanding and humility, Father, I pray that you give me wisdom to know what to say, what not to say. Lord, as they hear my voice, may in their hearts and in their minds, they, may they hear you. We ask all, this, all these things in your sweet, sweet and mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Uh, as we continue with our New Year series, New Year series, which is... Um, for the 2021, I know it's what, January 8th, is it? Um, last week we discussed Romans 12.2 and 2 Corinthians 5.17.
the need of the believer to know that he or she is a new creation. And uh, being a new creation, their minds must be renewed and not be conformed to the world, the, the teachings of the world or anything that the world has been ingraining in us. Uh, so we're going to continue from that. In the next few Sundays, we will discuss the top three resolutions that the majority of the world uh, has agreed to be their New Year's resolution. Tonight, it is about health. So I entitled our message, Health is Wealth. <laughs> if you type Health is Wealth in Google, in your Google search, you will get 385 million search results. Wow. So I read all of them. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. Now here is the top search result of what it means according to the world. Okay. Um, this is the verse. I didn't give it to you. But here. African. Uh, this is from the AfricanLeadershipAcademy.org. What is the meaning of health is wealth? Uh, this gives large meaning to our life. As health is considered the most valuable and precious for every individual. Good health means not only the absence of disease in the body, but a complete physical, mental, social, as well as spiritual well-being of an individual. Imagine the world research people have agreed that they have to include their spiritual well-being. This was in October 15, 2015. And here's another one by, by thriveglobal.com. How, how to prioritize and value our health to lead a happier and healthier life to avoid burnout. Without our health, we are nothing. We strive for personal success often to the detriment of our health. We only really understand the value of health once we've had it and then lost it again. We take our health and our bodies for granted until we're broken, in pain, or burnt out mentally. We try to undo years of unhealthy habits often when it's too little too late. We put other priorities ahead of health, uh, of our health. That's in February 12, 2020. That was even before the coronavirus broke out, right? Um, as if somebody needs to be convinced, right? That's, that's, that's men in general. We need to be convinced that this is good for you and this is bad for you. The smokers, if you look at your packs, right, there is a warning, Surgeon Journal warning. This may cause cancer, right? But we buy it anyway. We buy it anyway, right? This is bad for you, but who cares? It's too hard for me to give out, right? Um, rest is, you know, the, I was telling uh, Ruth earlier that, that I, the message tonight is about health. Of course, it's about physical health. But we're going to try to compare it to our spiritual health. And then funny enough, I got sick yesterday. <laughs> I was burnt out. Um, I wake up really early and stay up really late every day. And um, uh, true to form, yesterday I got sick. Um, see, that's why there's, for a Christian, for you to say you don't need to be healthy to serve God, you just don't know what you're talking about. How can you serve God if you're sick? My biggest concern yesterday was not that I was sick, was the fact that I didn't assign anybody to preach <laughs> the day after. And there's a, there's a, you know, there's a need for uh, a lot of uh, notice for, for my brothers. So I know my prayer was like, Lord, heal me so I can deliver the message and then I can get sick again Monday. That's my, 
That's my negotiation with the Lord. <laughs> it's unanimous, especially after the last year's pandemic. And up to now, we're, we're going through it. No one, no one this year will have anything else in their New Year's resolution above health. Do we agree? I think so. I think so. No one will say money is better. Because even the wealthier, wealthiest people in the world were put on lockdown. So we think. So we think. Some of them bought their own islands and have their own parties there. But no one, no one will argue that health is, is the number one top priority of everyone. And no matter how you look at it, the way to take care of our physical health consists of two things. We're going to talk about physical first, okay? First is diet. What you're supposed to eat and what you're not supposed to eat. Same with to drink, what to drink and what not to drink. And then the other, the other thing, and, and I think my, 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 my peers here with the same uh, uh, age bracket, this is what we hate. Other than the diet, we hate that too. Exercise. Exercise. To physically move, right? The exercise part. We don't like diet. For Filipinos, eating right is, is impossible. Close to impossible. Exercise. There's always a reason for us not to exercise, right? Oh, it's too cold. It's too hot. Right? I'm too old. I'm too young. <laughs> I have things to do. <laughs> So those are the two things, diet and exercise. And as we just read, I'm, I'm, I'm using, we're, we're using the, the baptism and, and the temptation of Jesus Christ because I want to point out a couple of things there. And uh, because the spiritual health is very much alike with our physical health. Okay, and this is the first part. What Jesus said, this is the biblical principle here. Remember when he was tempted to eat the bread, to make the stones into bread. Because 40 days and 40 nights, he was already fasting. And sci the, the, some scientists have said that at the 40th day, when you have fasted, if, if you have fasted way too long, if you have been hungry way too long, you will actually want to eat yourself to death. Because there is no way that you can help yourself anymore. Your body is just saying, let's eat. But even after you eat, you're probably going to die. So Jesus was placed to that point of no return. He was placed physically to that point where he's really hungry. And the stones around him, some commentators have said that the stones around him in that desert, they probably looked like bread because they were flat and looked like big round pebbles. And it was probably giving Jesus the illusion that they were bread. So Satan was good to use that as a temptation. And what can we learn about this? What can we learn about this? Number one is, when you make a commitment to God, you will be attacked right after. What was the commitment that Jesus made? He went and got baptized. Water baptism is a significant, the significance of water baptism is repentance, especially during Jesus' time. Getting water baptism was them repenting, repenting from their ways of sin, and then giving their lives to the Lord. And the same with us Christians, when we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, spiritually we were baptized in the Spirit. But the physical baptism, the physical water baptism, I know I say this a lot, but I still see, look around the room, there's still a lot of you that have not followed Jesus in your water baptism, is the significance, the symbolism of it is your old self has been buried, been dead, goes underwater, and the new has come as you raise, as you raise from the water. Now, fasting during Jesus' time and to those who study the scriptures is a common thing for them. 
fasting was not uncommon. Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights when he was given the law at, the, at Mount Horeb. Now is, that's in Exodus 34, 28. And then in 1 Kings 19, Elijah fasted for the same amount of time after an angel gave him a certain kind of food that was able to sustain him for that period of time. Now, Pastor John Corson suggests, and I quote, We live in a society addicted not only to alcohol and lust, but to all sorts of things. I suggest to you the reason could be because as a society, we have ignored the simple principle of fasting, of saying no to the appetites of our bodies on a regular basis. If you feel an addictive pull in some area in your life, try saying no to your stomach's demands for a meal for a day or a week. When you deny the physical to concentrate on the spiritual, a dynamic occurs that I believe will definitely help you overcome evil. End of quote. You know, there was a few, there was a couple years ago, I think, in, in, during my Bible study that I was holding at my house, we did um, uh, fasting. As a group, we decided to do fasting. And there was um, a certain, there, there was a guy who, who said that uh, compelling the church to fast is unbiblical. That if I would choose to fast, I should just do it on my own. I should not, as a pastor, should not compel the church to fast. So, reading this, and if we're handling the scriptures correctly, we as a church will also need to learn how to fast, correct? Now, if, if, if you're concerned about your health, if you're not physically healthy to, to do fasting, then you should consult to your, doc your doctors first. But this is a great exercise, folks. This is a great exercise for us believers to do fasting, to teach our flesh to say no to certain appetite, whatever that appetite may be. Here we see it's food, and it's actually healthy. You know, the, uh, the, your health, when you fast, and some of you do it because you want to lose weight, but when you do it, you know, when you do it for the Lord, it's twice as hard. You know, I've, I've, I've done this. I fasted on, on social media. And I could care less about social media if I'm not fasting for social media, but then when I'm fasting, for some odd reason, it looks more attractive. Same when I'm fasting with meat. When I decide that I'm going to fast with meat, guess what my wife cooks the next day? Adobo, right in front of my face. And then you can smell it, the vinegar and the soy sauce mixed together. And you're just like, it's the woman, Lord. It's the woman. <laughs> it's the woman, Lord God. So fasting, fasting. And, and then we have to teach ourselves. And then the other thing that we've seen there, we see there is that the enemy, the enemy was busy. Same with you. The enemy was busy there bugging the Lord Jesus Christ to fail. And don't you agree that if you've made a decision for the Lord, the enemy seems to be busier with you? If your answer is no, you've probably not made any commitment for the Lord just yet. So that's my challenge for you this year. If you want to find out what I'm saying is true, try to make a commitment for the Lord and see how the enemy will be so busy in trying to discourage you to move forward with whatever that commitment may be. It could be you fasting from Facebook or Instagram or whatever. It could be you fasting, fasting from TV or shows so that you can read the Bible more because that's what you're supposed to do, right? It, you will see that the enemy will bug you 
and make everything or that one certain thing become more attractive than ever before. And it's a great practice because once you feel and think of that temptation or your weakness, it's time for you to what? Because you fast and pray, right? You're going to be praying, Lord, help me say no to this. Help me be true to my commitment with you. Now, it's the same thing. That's a great exercise because once you make a commitment to live for the Lord, the enemy will be busy to tempt you. And if you haven't exercised at all of trying to depend on the Lord and say no to the temptation through fasting, it will be so much harder if it's, let's say, a sexual, sexual desire that you've always had and you say, no, Lord, I will not give in to that. How are you supposed to, what exercise have you had? What, what, what kind of uh, dependence on the Lord have you made sure that that works for you? There's no, you, there's nothing that you can draw from because you have zero experience. You never tried it and, and you don't, you, all you're used to is giving in. Most of us were all used to giving in to our appetite. Try it tonight. Start with the TV. Maybe whatever it is that's taking your time away from the Lord, it could be it could be your cell phones, it could be the social media on your cell phones, it could be pictures on your cell phones, whichever. It could be your your shows. Whichever is taking you away from concentrating your relationship with the Lord, improving in your relationship with the Lord, that is what you need to ask God if that is the one thing that you need to exercise fasting with. So this is the new year. Fasting from certain food for your physical health is good for you. Fasting from certain things that you always do that takes you away from God is good for you as well. Uh, a person who decides to accept Jesus as Lord, then lives for the Lord, follows Jesus' example through the water baptism. Water baptism is one that symbolizes repentance, the dying of the old self and the resurrection of the new self. We saw it in this account. There's no exceptions. Even Jesus did it. So if you haven't done it, I pray that you will do it this year. The biblical principle here is clear. Jesus tells and reminds all the people that the ultimate hunger or thirst every human being is, uh, has is not, is not physical need, but it's actually spiritual need. When he said, not everyone, right? Not Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word of the living God. Now, Christian, I know, I know a, a few of you have already told me that you've started your Bible journey, and I'm, I'm so glad to hear it, you know. But uh, I really hope that you will see yourself, you will pray yourself through it, and you will take that journey all the way to the end. Because if you are to live for the Lord, you need to know what the Lord has written down and what He has to say for your life. And how you're supposed to live in this world that is dark, in this world that is totally and completely against Him. And you know what? The one thing that you've been craving for, if there is something that's not filling your life, if there's a big hole in your heart, that could be the Word of the Lord. It's most, it is most likely an intimate time with the Lord. It is most likely a will of God that you haven't read. It is most likely... His message for you that you, ha that you have neglected because you don't take the time to read to Him 
All you do is call upon Him. That's fine. You're praying. But when you're praying and your approach with your prayer is still a list of wish lists to big Santa Claus up there, your prayer is still in the wrong because you have not refined your, your, your thought of who God is and your relationship with Him is still incorrect. It's still very worldly. Now these are the objections of the world and the enemy and the world. Remember in Genesis, the first temptation, the first time we saw of the devil tempting someone, he tempted Adam or he tempted Eve of something that is natural. What is natural? It's always natural for man to eat, correct? It's natural for us. We get hungry, we eat, correct? So it's the same with Jesus. Satan could not tempt Jesus with anything else other than what is natural to Jesus. Because there's nothing wrong with Jesus in his heart and in his mind. But he took advantage of what was natural to, God, to Jesus. Because Jesus was 100% man. And man become, we get hungry. Correct? So he used that to tempt Jesus to get away from, from his, him being a man by using his power to finally uh, to, to, use, to use his power and make this, the stone into bread and to satisfy himself. But Jesus was good to answer, man does not live on bread alone, but in every word of the living God. Now here, because Eve did not know, she quoted God's instruction incorrectly. She added the touch part. Jesus, God told Adam and Eve to not eat of the fruit that is in the middle of the garden. What did Eve say? Do not eat and touch. And touch. What's our observation there? Big observation there is that if you quote, if you don't know, number one, and if you quote the, the verse incorrectly, Satan knows it. Satan knows it and Satan will take advantage of that to make you, what? To make you fall and then become useless for the kingdom of God. Because when we fall, what do we do? We go into the self-pity mode. Oh my gosh, I'm really not worthy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not, I can't serve God. And you go down and down for the count you go. Because we don't know, we don't equip ourselves enough. We don't equip ourselves enough. Jesus, when he was being tempted by, the whole, by, by, by Satan, he was coding verses. He was coding verses to resist the devil. Because there's power in the word, correct? Some of us, we quote people. We have our own saying, and then we say, No, I will not fall. I don't know how many times that worked for you, but it never worked for me. We have to use God's word, because in God's word, there's power. You know, if you're being tempted, if you're being tempted to fall into sin, and into your old ways, right? You have to quote a verse that will that will fill that hole and then empower you and encourage you because the Holy Spirit, you've called on to the Holy Spirit to help you get over it. What's an example will be if, if I'm being tempted to, to smoke a cigarette. You know, this happens every time I watch a film or a show where the character smokes a lot. And I'm watching, I'm watching, and I find myself 10 minutes in, I'm like, and it's been a while since I smoked a cigarette, <laughs> you know? And, and, and I start doing this, and I start thinking, 
and I started doing this with my fingers. And I'm like, I, I remember the feeling of having a cigarette here and then going here and then going there. But then I said, oh, Lord, greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. You know, I just quote a verse that will just empower and call upon the Holy Spirit. And I say, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. What's your verse? I hope you have one. And, and, and then if you if you don't have if you have nothing memorized, I can almost guarantee that you would always give in. And then you will just say, Lord, forgive me. But praise God. God's grace is so good, isn't it? Because even after we failed, even after the many warnings that God has given us and we still failed, God is still there to help us. But isn't it time for us to change? When are we supposed to live victoriously for the Lord? When are we supposed to attract people with our lives? When is it? Is it 2022? Should we wait for next year again? The world suggests that it is not only stupid to believe in a God that tells you not to live your life the way you want it, but it's also useless because life here on earth is the only thing that's left. That's what the world tells us. It is now or never. You only live once. In heaven, there is no beer. That's what they say. In heaven, there's no party. In heaven, there's you're just going to wear a white robe, fly around, and be bored. In heaven, there's a lot of church services, a lot of hymns being sang. Here, you party. So party now. Die later. These are the point of views of, these are certain views that I, I'm sharing, but I'm sure there's more there. And this is the same thing that the serpent, the Satan used. Surely God did not say. He plants that doubt in you. Surely God's not telling you to not have premarital sex. Are you supposed to get married so you could just have sex? Why just not have sex now and then get married later? That's how you buy your car. You test drive it first. Right? And then, and then, and then you start thinking. You start justifying it. And you know. He's right. I mean, how do I know? How do I know this is the girl for me? If What if we're not imagining that? But then we forget all the instructions that the Lord has for us. That our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. That marriage is, it must be done. Sex must only be done in, the, in, in marriage. That's why there's a lot of unwanted pregnancy. And which leads to abortion. There's a lot of unwanted pregnancy, which leads to fatherless homes, which leads to degenerate people because the children grew up without a dad and they became gangsters, to say the least. And it's a vicious cycle. They repeat it. Our, our, prisons, our prisons are filled with a lot of uh, men with no fathers. Right? So... Because what? Because we could not keep it. We could not keep ourselves pure because we don't know any better. Because we believe the lie of the devil. Surely God did not say. God's telling you that because He wants your life to be boring. God wants you to be poor. Right? And some of us, we buy into it. We buy into it just like Adam and Eve, just like Eve bought into it. Surely God did not say. Surely you will not die. Sure enough, this, Satan was wrong. The death that, that Adam and Eve caused, it, are we're experiencing up to now. 
the perfect design of the Lord was, was, was destroyed here in Genesis 3. Up to now, we're experiencing it. If your life is good, praise God. If your life has been peaceful, if your life has been fruitful from, from day one to now, praise God for that. But you know what? If you look outside your four walls, there's a lot of hunger. There's a lot of rape. There's a lot of, of injustice that's happening. There's a, lot, there's a lot of pain and suffering outside your four walls. So when, 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 when we pray, come now, Lord Jesus, and some of you are saying, no, not yet. I think it's a, it's a selfish of a not yet because you want to enjoy your retirement first, but not thinking about the, the rest of the world that is dying and is hurting, that truly needs Jesus. Here's some shocking statistics here, and, I, and very rare do I get them. Uh, 92% of churchgoers say they don't plan to attend church more often as after the coronavirus pandemic is over than they did before the pandemic began. This is from Pew Research Center, July of 2020. Only half of all teenagers who grew up in a quote-unquote Christian home had regularly family conversations about God. That's in the National Study of Youth and Religion, 2002 until 2015. More than 2 million people have left the church every year for the past 7 years. Uh, US, that's from U.S. Religious Landscape Study. And then 65% of all churches in America have less than 100 people in their congregations, including children. I think we have bought the lie that we don't need God. I think we have bought the lie that truly God did not say we, we, we can still do church outside the four walls. We've, we've bought that lie, especially this coronavirus. We've bought, it, we've bought the lie. Some of us have bought that lie already. How about, how about this? Regular family conversations about God in a Christian home. My goodness. Do we only talk about God when our family is in trouble? Do we only talk about God when we need a prayer request? At the house? More than 2 million people have left the church every year for the past 7 years. I think this is, this is a charge to us Christians. I think we have bought the lie that we don't really need God and the fact that we don't really need to take God seriously. So whom are we living for, church? If we say we're Christians, are we really living our lives for Him? And then when we say that, does it follow with, with everything that we do? Does it reflect on our Sundays? Does, and do our Sundays reflect our Monday to Saturday? And then the last one right here. Americans are among the most stressed in the world. We have a number one spot. This is it right here. 55% say they experience a lot of stress every day among the five highest rates out of 143 countries statistically tied with Iraq. How can we be tied with Iraq? <laughs> I've never been there. I've never been there. But man, when I watch the news clips, I'm like, wow, how do they do it? How do they live there with uh, threat, threats of war all, the, all, all day long? 
people with AK-47 walking around your, your supermarket. I'm like, well, how do you, and we're tight with them? Why? Because we've taken God out. We've bought the lie of Satan saying, surely you don't need God. Surely you don't need to live a holy life, folks. You can have premarital sex. You can live in with your partner. It's cheaper. Your insurance and your tax return is better for you. We've bought into that lie. Surely you don't need to read the Bible. Just go to church and then sleep half the time. Surely you don't need God. You have money in the bank. And you're going to retire 10 years from now. Your 401k is growing. Surely you don't need God. Surely you don't need to talk God, to talk to your kids about God. Let the, let the Sunday school teachers do that. Folks, we're supplement. Because we're only we only see your children once a month. We only see you, or not once a month, once a week. For some of you, once a month. But we only see you once a week. Right? I only see you once a week for some of you. This is the supplement. Sometimes this is the main dish for the day, but this is a supplement because Monday to Saturday you're on your own. But there's no cops picking you up because you have a Bible at the house. Not yet. I think it's coming, but not yet. But why? Because oh, life is good, Pastor. Life is good. I'm just, I'm just waiting for them to open the borders, and I'm gonna party this my tail off. I'm going everywhere. All my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. So, what's your diet? What's your diet? In the physical, physical realm of 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 physical health, you have to watch what you eat. You have to eat what's healthy. You have to drink what's healthy for you, correct? And then look at Luke 11, 34 to 35. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Easy enough, right? But do we really feed our souls the right food, the Word of God? Do we really take pleasure in reading the Bible or does it knock us out? It's like a sleeping pill. I need to sleep now. Where's the Bible? Well, play Joe's, play Joe's message. I have a better idea. Play Joe's message. Oh. Right? I mean, I get it. I get it. Sometimes I'm really boring. It's fine. It's fine. But, but the thing is, if we want to improve our spiritual health, we need to improve our consumption more than just our three minute our daily bread our i love our daily bread i still read it our three minute read of our daily bread but we need to add more to it read the word read the word add other other devotionals in there if you are a member of this church you you have that life principles by charles stanley or that every day with jesus that we've given you many years ago read it there and there's a, a part of devotion there that can add to it. Why is it too hard? For you to finish the Bible in one year, it'll take 15 minutes, folks. 15 minutes. For you to wait in a Starbucks drive through now, it's more than 15 minutes, it seems like. Right? Because nobody can go in. You have to go through the drive through What's the average of a, a Netflix series? 30 minutes? That's two days worth of reading. 
Do we watch what we do? We are we careful in what we watch? Are we careful in what we consume? That's what the Bible is telling us. How can we battle against the enemy who is so busy in trying to cripple us from being used for his kingdom if we don't know his word? He's so crafty. Don't we agree? I, I know God is more powerful than the enemy, but the enemy is crafty. He will use what he thinks and what he knows that is your weakness. And then if you, if you have zero weapons, zero ammunition against him, which is the word of God, you will fall. Now here, here's another quote from the world. So I'm, 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 I'm mirroring everything that we're learning versus what the world has already known too. Here is from Dr. Harry Kinnig. He's the director of health and spirituality in Duke University. He reads, a number of studies have found that devout people have fewer symptoms of depression and anxiety as well as a better ability to cope with stress. Certain religious practices may even change their brain in a way that boosts mental health, studies suggest. People who are more involved in religious practices and who are more religiously committed to seem to cope better with stress, Kinnig said. One of the reasons is because religion gives people a sense of purpose and meaning in life. And that helps them to make sense of negative things that happen to them, Kinnick said. A person's religious community can also provide support and encouragement through hard times. So, But most of us have decided to stop going to church altogether. But most of us have decided to stop reading the Bible altogether. Now this is generally speaking, right? The world... And Satan and his cronies and God constantly battle for our minds. Remember that was our study yesterday. And up to now, it is. As we walk in this world, that's constantly going to be the battle. The battleground is right here. If we will not renew our minds based on the word of God, we will constantly function the way we were programmed from the very beginning. Because whether we admit it or not, a lot of the world, a lot of the teachings of the world, what is happy, what is success, what is our purpose in life, that the world has taught us has been ingrained in our minds. You know, I, I just heard this. Someone's, someone's child, um, someone's child is, is living in with a millionaire, right? Living in in sin. Not married. But this person's, this person's child is living in with a millionaire. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because it's a millionaire. Because that's how the Filipino culture works. You are successful in life. A parent will say they are successful, in, they are successful as parents if their child did not get pregnant before they finished college. That's success. Or did not get married before college. They have their college degree, preferably nursing. Or medical or doctor. Medical. Somebody making a lot of money. That's success for a parent. Right? But you become a pastor, you're like... What's wrong with you? Are you getting paid? <laughs> no, but that's success. Because money, security, 
becomes the, 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 the template of success. Forget it that you're living in sin, so long as you're living with a millionaire. Is there, is, there's something wrong with that. Correct? The world will accept it. But as Christians, we know that the world, that, that our Lord has told us differently. The enemy crafted, he's, he's so crafty, he offers us alternatives. He offers alternatives to people about how to live and how to live for themselves and not follow God. Or follow a God, not of the Bible, but follow a God of their own liking. Now, when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength, that is the greatest commandment. What did he really mean when he says, love the Lord with our entire being? When it only makes sense to us? When it only, when it only compensates properly? When it only makes sense with, with the society or the culture? No. Following God with our entire being most of the time battles against any cultural differences. Anything that the Filipino culture has taught us to be successful, if the Bible says that's wrong, we have to say that's wrong. Christian, Filipino Christians here, we are Christians first before we're Filipinos. Same with our American friends. You're a Christian first before you're American. You know, our life, our minds is constantly attacked by the world and the world and the enemy tirelessly feeds our minds with lust, lust for sex, lust for power, greed for money. And, and it tells us to have false sense of security with all these things. We can sum it up that way. Who cares if you're gay so long as you're a millionaire? Who cares if you're going to live in sin so long as he's a millionaire or she's a millionaire? You know, there's uh, the Disney movie. Uh, Disney came up with a, a movie, cartoon animated movie, Soul. Soul movie. Um, if you haven't uh, watched it, I'll blow, I'll blow it for you right now. The, <laughs> the character there lived his whole life in frustration as he dreamed to play the piano in a jazz band. But unfortunately... Uh, the highest peak of his career as a musician was a music teacher in school, in an elementary school. And finally, the opportunity came for him that he will play as a replacement keyboard, uh, pl piano player for a famous jazz band in town. But right after he was chosen to do it, he died. It's so funny, isn't it? <laughs> he died. But then because it meant so much for him, he made sure that he went back to earth so that he can at least still live and play his dream. It's a true story. <laughs> no, it happened. It happened. But right after that one night after playing, he has all the high. He was so high in what happened. He was so happy. And he asked the, the vocalist, he goes, so what's next? And then the, the girl goes, well, we're going to do this again tomorrow. And then the day after that, and then the day after that, and then the day after that. And then there's that moment. Disney got this part right. Moment, he focused on the character, and he just, he was stunned. He was stunned. Everything that he lived for, 
or it's actually going to end up being a mundane, repetitive, boring thing, just like everything else. Folks, that's how the enemy lies to us. He tells us to live for money, to live your life, to make that money. And then when you finally hit that, you're going to find yourself empty, shallow, longing, and still wanting. The, 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 the enemy tells us, live your, fulfill your sexual desires. And then when you finally have exhausted everything in your power in your life for that, special, uh, that sensual desire, and you're going to find yourself hurt, lonely, and empty. Because the enemy is a liar, the father of all liars. The enemy tells us, live, leave your spouse. He will never change. There's a better one there. Did you see him at church? <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> right? We, and then we, we fall into this lie. And then we go through one divorce after another, after another, after another. Same with the job. One after another, after another, after another. The enemy just, is just good in lying. Because nothing in this world that he offers us will actually really satisfy our hunger. That's why Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but in every word of the living God. The only thing that will truly satisfy a believer is God himself. Amen? Amen. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I know January 7, what we were having already a lot of trouble in the world, in our country alone. So chaotic, chaotic, right? There's no peace. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, it seemed like. We're like on the reset of 2020. But this is this is where when you rely on the Lord more than you rely on political uh, uh, parties. This is when you rely on the Lord, when you, when you get plugged in with the Lord instead of what the world has to offer. Jesus already confirmed and affirmed and told us that in this world we will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. If we just fall in love with the Lord and, and, and just stay with Him, we, in Him we will have peace. How? By reading your word. Getting off your phone and reading your word. Stop eating buffet and, and start fasting so you can start practicing, resisting the temptations, relying on the Lord. Now, not just diet, but exercise too. Exercise is needed, correct? In the physical realm, we need to exercise. As simple as walking can help a person be healthy. As simple as walking. So husbands, when your wife gets mad at you and they go on a shopping spree, just take it as them getting in shape, okay? They're, they're getting in shape. It will cost you money, but it's just like paying for the gym. It's okay. <laughs> just take it in a positive light. Hebrews 10, 24-25, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. To obtain physical health, not only diet, proper diet is needed, 
exercise is also needed. So the same with our spiritual health. Exercise is needed. How? By coming together, belonging to our church, and actually gathering in person. I get it. There is that COVID-19. So again, if you have prayed to the Lord and the wisdom He has given you is to stay away, please do so. If you have you know, certain conditions that will, that will just endanger yourself or your family who has uh, conditions that, that might really hurt them, yeah, please do so. Do it with all prudence. But if you can, but if you can, but you should, because that's how you exercise your faith. This is how we exercise our faith. 72% of unchurched believed, of the unchurched believed that the church is filled with hypocrites. You see that? And then 62% of all churches in America are having no growth or declines in their congregations. Now, is this a sign of a church exercising their faith? No. This is a rebuke to us. This is a rebuke to us. Why? Because we call ourselves Christians, but when we get out there, we're like the soldiers of Satan. Onward Christian soldiers, we say on Sundays, but then live for the devil, Monday to Saturday. Then they say we're filled with hypocrites. So there's lack of exercise there. Our, our, the, way, the, the way we live does not match what we profess. And in the 62% of churches, have no growth and declines in their congregation. Why? Because the church have believed, we have believed in the lie that we don't have to share our faith. Church, I know, I, I went over time, right? Oh, please give me a few more minutes here. The church, the Christians have believed that we don't need to share our faith. That's wrong. A, a stagnant water becomes poisonous it's not going to be needed you can't you drink it you get sick same with a christian that, that does not move why are you keeping your faith with yourself alone is that what jesus said did he say stay and not make disciples of any nations no he said go and make another one here 75 percent uh, 75% of regular church attenders do not believe that sharing their faith is important. 75%. Now, God will deal with the teachers and the pastors that have made the, the church believe this. God will deal with them. Because this is wrong. You really have the cure for cancer and you keep it to yourself and that's okay? You have the cure for COVID-19 and you keep it to yourself and that's okay? Man's law, you will get in trouble because you're contributing. You're contributing to the death. It's, there's a thing that's called sin of omission. Knowing what you're supposed to do and you do not do is a sin of omission. It's the same thing when you don't share the gospel. You, Christian, are, are committing, committing sin because you very well know that you are supposed to share the gospel. Somebody told you that you are not supposed to, and you believed it. That's why the decline of churches is happening. 69% of American churches have a weekly attendance of less than 100 people, including children. 
It's not important anymore. We believed in the life. The church is not important. You can do it on you can do it on your own. Church does not make of a building, correct? But I tell you, you cannot have church and not gather. We can have church in the parking lot, but we have to be gathered together. 70%, 51% of U.S. churchgoers say they never heard of the term the Great Commission. It has become the Great Omission. 70% of unchurched people have never been invited to church in their whole lives. Folks, 70% of your friends have, you have been invited to come to church. If the data is correct. Now, this is a warning for us right here. 2 Timothy 3, 1-4. You may as well know, you may as well know this too, Timothy, that in the last days it is going to be very difficult to be a Christian. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be proud and boastful, sneering at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful to them, and thoroughly bad. They will be hard-headed and never give in to others. They will be constant liars and troublemakers and will think nothing of immorality. They will be rough and cruel and sneer at those who try to be good. They will betray their friends. They will be hot-headed, puffed up with pride, and prefer good times to worshiping God. They will go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything they hear. Don't be taken in by people like that. You just have to turn on your Facebook and you will know that 2 Timothy 3, 1-4 is alive and well and going. If you're a Christian, you're mocked. If you go to church, you're stupid, close-minded, old school, believing in fables. You believe in keeping yourself pure? You're boring. The world said all you need is love. But that goes away as soon as you disagree with them. <laughs> the world demonizes people of faith for fighting for the unborn children and minimizes the child predator, citing that the science has proven that it's a mental capacity why a person chooses to or prefers to have sex with a child. They have lowered down the sentence in California for child predators down from a felony to a misdemeanor. And for a little while, they kept strip bars open and while the churches are still closed, citing this, to keep a strip club open is because it's constitutionally protected speech. That's December 18, 2020. You can read it in the LA Times. The world says, follow your heart. But if you read your Bible, you will know that Jeremiah, at Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is the most deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? And then Jesus echoes it in Mark 7.21-22 when he said, For from within the hearts of men come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, debauchery, envy, slander, arrogance, and foolishness. So Christian, you gonna follow your heart? You gonna follow your heart? Yeah, most of you, you continue to follow your heart. Most of us, we continue to follow our hearts, especially 
especially when God said don't. Because we can follow our heart when God said, he approved it, right? Oh yeah, follow God. He said yes. But when God says no, we're like, why, Lord? It's like Jonah, right? Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. Nineveh. But then he had enough money to go to Tarsus. So he said, well, it's God's will because the boat is here and I have money. Follow my heart. I don't want to share the gospel to those evil people. I want to follow my heart because I want them to be condemned with God. So I follow my heart. I go the other way. So our anchor text was Matthew, right? Jesus, baptism, and tested in the wilderness. Our title is Health is Wealth. Now until you see that your relationship with the Lord is the most important thing, you will not see your spiritual health as wealth. You will not see the importance of it. You will not see the importance of adding to your diet your day-to-day -day diet with the Word of God, you will not see the importance of fasting so that you can train yourself to resist the temptation. You will not see the importance of that if your spiritual health is not the most important thing for you. You will not. I'm going to close with this one. This is when Jesus, after Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman in the well. Remember? Jesus shared the gospel to the Samaritan woman, telling her that, you have been chasing happiness from marrying one guy to another, jumping from one relationship to another. But the only thing that will satisfy your thirst is drinking from the living water, re referring to himself, right? And then the woman took that and then went out and told the whole village. And this is the last part of it in John. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, why. what do you want? Or where are you? Why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Again, the only, thing, the only time that this would really become powerful to you and true to you is if you really know who God is in your life. If you only see Him as a person to get things from, you will not see the importance of this. To live for him. Why? You only need you only talk to him when you need something, right? So when you don't need something, why talk to him? Until you need more money, then you come back. I need you until you need healing, then you come back. Until you need that next promotion, then you come back. But no, until he becomes your all in all, doing his will becomes your number one priority. Amen. Amen. So as much as our physical health is, a, is very needed, to focus on our physical health is also needed because we can't serve God if we're sick. So we need to eat the right food and exercise properly. It's the same thing. 
when we surrendered our life to Jesus Christ and to His Lordship, we, not knowingly, have actually won. We actually said that, Lord, I will live for you based on what you tell me. Not my will, but let your will be done. Because that's what a Lord is. Eat the right food. Read your word. Exercise your body. Live out your faith. Share the gospel. Go to church. Read your word. Share the gospel. Go to church. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you again for your message tonight. And we ask for forgiveness, Lord God, for the things that you have revealed to us that we haven't been doing or we have been doing that is against your will. Help us, Lord God, to finally live our lives for you wholly and completely. Not just by our words, Lord God. Not just by our thoughts, but also with our actions. Give us wisdom, Father, and help us retain everything that you have spoken to us this evening. Help us to be fed. Help us to be fed by your word. Help us to crave for your word, Lord God. Make our souls, Lord God, hungry for your word. Make our lives, Lord God, miserable when we don't do your will, Lord, so that we will go running to you. Father, help us, Lord, to live our lives for you and for your will. All these we ask in your Son's mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise.